But this morning, we're going we're gonna to jump back into Exodus. We're in chapter 3 this week, and Moses goes up a mountain, okay, and something pretty radical happens. So we're going to skip announcements because we want to just get into the word here. Uh, I think God has a lot for us this morning. Are your hearts open and ready? So I know that we can come to church just overwhelmed by life and stuff. And one thing that I love about Sunday mornings, we can come distraction-free. We're just going to take a time out, and we're just going to look to the Lord. We're going to open his word, let him speak to us. So, Father, would you give us grace this morning? We don't want to miss uh, what you have. God, this is holy ground because you're here with us. Wherever two or three gather together in your name, you're there in the midst. We're here for you, Jesus. We want to hear from you today. God, we don't want to leave the same way we came in this morning because we know you. We know what your spirit does in us, God. We want to be changed, transformed for your glory, God. And we know that you do have good for your kids. We're so thankful that you are so good, God. Thank you for all that you have done. And we thank you for the reality of what you're doing even now, Lord. You ever live to make intercession for us. Thank you that you are mindful of what's going on here at this little local church in Kakana, Wisconsin. Father, that your eyes are on us. God, that you care and you know what's going on in each of our lives. Every man, woman, and child that walked through these doors this morning or those at home listening online, you know what's up and you care and you're there for us. And we're so thankful for that. So pray, enlarge our hearts, open our eyes this morning to see what you would have for us in this. Amen. Amen. God's merciful and gracious. Amen. You guys know that? Good. And do you guys know that he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness? Amen. Do you guys know that he's keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin? Isn't that pretty cool? That's our God. And I'm not making this stuff up. Do you guys know that? Because this is what he has chosen to reveal to us in his word. And this morning, guys, I think one of the coolest things he's revealed in all of scripture is set before us in Exodus chapter 3 here this morning. And there's some good news, and I want to just throw this out before we jump in. God uses weak, imperfect people. Can I say that again? God uses, this is good news, because do we have anybody who's perfect here this morning? Anybody? Not just, not even one? Isn't that cool? Isn't that good news? Are you, are you telling me the truth, Pastor? Does he really use imperfect people? Well, we get to see probably the most famous person in all of Scripture besides Jesus Christ was an imperfect dude, and God chose him. So let's take a read here of... Uh, <clears throat> meeting that Moses has with God in Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest in Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And then he said, do not draw near this place. Or sorry. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, okay? Off your feet. For this place where you stand, it is holy ground. And moreover, he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry before the taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians 
and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land that's flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Flashlights, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. There's something about being a servant or servanthood. Okay, There's one thing that God looks for in a steward. And what is that? Faithfulness. That's what he's looking for. Not the most qualified, the smartest, the strongest. Because he's able to take the weak, common, broken, imperfect person and by his grace and for his people, he can use anybody. Do you believe that, saint? Because that's what I read a whole lot as I study the word of God. A whole bunch of imperfect people. All of them. How many Old Testament examples? Even the men that God, Jesus himself, chose to disciple. The twelve. But pastor, they had it all together. No, read the Gospels. (laughs) They were a messed up bunch of people that God chose imperfect, weak, many different backgrounds, many different upbringings, and he used them for his glory. But God is looking. His eyes go to and fro, we're told, throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him. Is your heart loyal to God? No matter our imperfections, is your heart for him? Are you willing to say, yeah, Lord, like Isaiah did? I'm a man of unclean lips. (laughs) But use me. Send me. I'm not perfect. He just wants us to be faithful. So, that's one thing we're going to find in Moses. We're told in verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock. He was faithfully taking care of sheep. How old was Moses at this time? 80 years old. Thanks, James. (laughs) Love he's how he's on top of that. And I hope some of you older brothers and sisters find great encouragement this morning. I know I have this week. But considering Moses as a shepherd, okay, um, what did the Egyptians think of shepherds? I'm glad you guys asked. Because back in Genesis 46, verse 34, it says, For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. What? So here, the prince of Egypt, Moses himself, is taking care of sheep, an abomination to the Egyptian people. And that's why they stuck the shepherds way up north, okay? You guys, you're an abomination. Get out of here. Go tend those sheep way up there. So God will use Moses as a shepherd, then as a savior. David, shepherd faithful servant. Jesus, our good shepherd, guys. The one who is mighty to save. So shepherds are tender, but they're also tough, right? You guys know that David as a lad was a shepherd and he took down a bear, took on a lion. What? That's cool, isn't it? So think about that. Think about being a shepherd. And then in verse 2, there's some attention grabbing going on here. We're told, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. How? By a flame of fire, right? From the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. The angel of the Lord, literally, if you study this out, guys, it is a messenger of YHW. H, of the Lord. Some pronounce it Yahweh. Some say Jehovah. We don't know. They didn't throw the vowels in there. Y-H-W-H. So this is cool because it's not just an angel. Okay? Theophany. Have you guys heard that theological term before? It means to show God 
So we're seeing here a literal appearance of God. Because each time later, guys, he's spoken about as the Lord, the Y-H-W-H, God Elohim. That is what is spoken of. So this is God himself. So the burning bush, this theophany ranks right up there is really one of the greatest attention grabbers of all time. Okay? Would you guys stop? I mean, everything you're doing, wait! (laughs) There's a bush on fire and it's not being consumed. Would that grab your attention? I think we got a lot going on in life. I think people have too much going on in life. I think Satan likes to keep us busy. Well, I got this going on. I got to do this. Don't you know that life is all about this? There might be a bush right here on fire, but hey, I don't even have time to deal with that bush that's on fire because don't you know? I got all this to do. But where is Moses? He's in the desert. Does God get a hold of people in those dry places? Desert seasons of life, not much going on. No life. Didn't he grab a hold of Elijah and got his attention where? In the desert. Didn't the Lord take the great apostle Paul? Hey. You're going to go chill in the desert in Arabia for 14 years. And I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to meet with you there and teach you. I like desert seasons. (laughs) They're hard. They can be overwhelming. But I think that's where God can really grab our attention. Speak to us and reveal himself to us so brother and sister if you're in a hard spot right now a desert season don't miss what the lord is wanting to show you and speak to you in this season because he is there and then look at verse three here there's there's this curiosity calling right then moses said i will now turn i I want you guys i see the bush (laughs) It's on fire and it's not being consumed, but he made the choice to do what? I will now turn, okay? God's heart is that none should perish. I mean, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, right? Man's without excuse. We can't say that there is no creator. A fool will say there's no God. Well, you're just a fool. You're not living in reality. You're not being logical. God through creation has made himself known. But how many people actually take the time to pause and say, hey, (laughs) I, I will now turn aside and look. I will, I, will, I will see, okay? And this is what Moses does here. I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why does this bush not burn, right? So curious to, to what he sees, hears, and where he's standing, okay? We've all heard that curiosity killed the cat. And that implies being curious can sometimes lead to danger or misfortune curiosity might have killed the cat but here it brought life to Moses how many people never take the time to seek out God I'm too busy well maybe God is real maybe the Bible is true but why aren't more people curious why don't they take the time to look for themselves, to turn aside, to look. You see, curiosity drew him into the very presence and the very, to a very personal God. So God made us all curious. I'd love to hear and take a moment to hear maybe how God used curiosity in your life to bring you to himself. Would anybody be willing just to share for a minute? How God did that in their own life? Got you curious? Got you seeking? Got you looking? Got you turning aside to see? Anybody? All right. Come on up, brother.
said before, I'm always good for something. Um, so I was in jail for 20 months and very early on there, I, uh, I, I was, uh, reading, um, a book called, um, the Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. If anybody remembers that old hippie book. And, um, I, I had always struggled with the concept of, uh, the Trinity and, uh, God being Christ, Christ being God. And, um, just reading this book and, um, it is not a Christian book whatsoever. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I realized, um, just by how the author was describing certain things that, um, what he was actually describing was the Trinity and how there is this, uh, dichotomy of objective and subjective and there's a kind of a synthesis between the two that he called quality and it was like an epiphany that I had that oh man this is this is God this is he's actually describing God and he doesn't even know it and it was like this light bulb went on my head and and like that curiosity that Lena was talking about it it made me realize that um there's that God was there the whole time, obviously. <laughs> and I, I never realized it at that point uh, or before, um, I should say. But uh, he, it really spoke to me through that. So it's like fed by ravens type of thing. Like this guy, I clearly had no idea what he was writing, but, but he, uh, he spoke in a way that, that just tied all these things together for me. Um, and that was what kind of broke me down to the point of actually receiving the gospel. So... Curiosity is a good thing when it comes to the Lord. I would encourage you guys, because you can't always take for granted that everybody here does know the Lord. Maybe this is a morning that you came to church maybe for the first time. Maybe you're watching online and this is the first time. Hey, I'm going to stop and listen to a Bible study because, hey, I'm a little curious about God, about Christianity, about who this Jesus is, it's a good thing. Because when we seek for him with all our heart, he's promised that we will find him. So here we have Moses. Um, verse 4, look at verse 4 with me because uh, Moses doubling here. You guys see where he says Moses, Moses? Okay, so God's first words to him, he knows him personally, okay? <laughs> That's the point that God is trying to make, hey, I, I know you, Moses, okay? Um, so generally it indicates a message of some special importance when we find a, a doubling in Scripture. You guys remember Abraham, Abraham, take your only son, and you're going to go up the mountain, okay? And you're going to sacrifice him to me. But you guys remember what happened in light of Abraham, Abraham, and then he obeyed and did? Hey, you're not going to kill your son, but there's going to be a son one day. Okay, I myself, I'm going to be that sacrifice. Okay, we also read of Samuel, Samuel in Scripture. <laughs> yes, Lord, speak. He was a little confused. Kept running into Eli, right? What, what, what are you saying? You calling me, you waking me up in the middle of the night? What, what do you need? No, that's the Lord. He's speaking to you specifically. I think of Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, the one that I sent the prophets to. And I wanted to gather you together. I wanted to protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing to come to me. And that's the heart of our God. He's not just calling out to Jerusalem. He's calling out to the whole world. Martha, Martha is another one we find in Scripture. Oh, you're, you're worried, <laughs> okay, about, about much. Don't be, because one thing's needed. Come and sit at my feet. 
Martha, Martha. Simon, Simon. (laughs) Satan's asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Do you guys know that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us? Man, think about that. Satan hates you because you're God's kid. He is after you. But we have Jesus, and he's praying for us. How cool. And then I think of one more, Saul, Saul, right? Why are you persecuting me, Jesus says to him. Saul, Saul, I know you. (laughs) I know what you've been up to. I know that you've been coming against my children, the church, that you are persecuting me, Jesus says to him. He gets his attention. Maybe that's what God's been doing with you lately, trying to get your attention. Landon, Landon, it's two in the morning this last week. (laughs) I want to speak to you. I want to get your attention. You've been asking a lot of questions. And I'm going to reveal to you who I am. Who I am for you in this season of life. He will do that. But do we take the time to actually position ourselves to seek him? I want to hear from you. I want to know you like you know me. And then something happens here, guys. (laughs) Verse 5. What does Moses do? He removes his Reebok tennis shoes. (laughs) They had sandals back then, right? Why did he take off his sandals, guys? He was on holy ground. Was it the land that was holy? It was holy because God himself was there. Guys, every time we open up the word of God, okay, he is speaking. He is present. His spirit is there. And what a privilege we have, guys, to come to him to take that curiosity to turn to him and to hear from the living God himself. Don't ever take that for granted. Make that happen. Position yourself. Even when we gather together in group settings like this or a small group, we're on holy ground. God is present. He is with us. I think it does good for us to live in that mentality. Because our perspective, how we behave, how we talk, the questions we ask, everything is going to change when we understand that we are in the presence of Almighty God. And because we're in his presence, we are on holy ground. So we have Moses. Come turn me to this bush. Do you think he was a little confused at this point? Because the bush is now talking, right? Tells him to take off his sandals. And I think it was appropriate because it showed, Moses showed, he chose humility. What do you think would have happened at this point in Exodus 3 if Moses said, I ain't taking off my sandals. Who are you? Because God's about to reveal something really cool about who he is and what he's going to do for his people. Do you think God still would have showed Moses that? I think Moses would have missed a great opportunity to insight, a great opportunity to be used by the Lord for his glory, to serve his people because of foolish pride. You guys understand how key humility is for us as believers? I think when we do humble ourselves before God, we have a sense of holy ground. 
we have a sense of the presence of God. Because God will resist the proud, but he'll give grace, he'll give himself to the humble. So it is not that the actual ground is holy, okay? But it's because God's there. And it's kind of cool because even in that culture in that day, and even today, if you go over to Asia, if you entered into someone's home, you take off your shoes. That's just what they do. So this is kind of what's going on. Eh? I'm entering into the Lord's home here. Okay, not that he lives on this mountain, but hey, this is where he is. Okay, and out of respect, you know, in my house, my presence. And then I love verse 6 and on through verse 9. There's a compassion for crying here. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We just heard Wes talk about the Trinity. This comes up a couple times. I think there's a lot that comes around that idea. But also, Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So verse 6, guys, ends that God is awful and terrible. That's the old meaning. But really, he evokes this awe. I mean, if you're in the presence of God, how can you not be in awe of him? Like, whoa. You're awesome, right? And also there's a terror because you are holy. And I am not. Kind of like Isaiah coming into the presence of the Lord. I am undone. I'm a man, a sinful man. My lips, man, they are unclean. That's what happens when we come into the presence of the Lord. So don't treat him lightly, okay? God is not our little buddy. Indeed, if we were to meet God, you guys know what the first thing you're going to do is? Fall on your face. Isn't that what we see in Scripture? They all fall on their face. Even John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, the revelator, he gets caught up, and you guys know what happens when he's there? In chapter 4 of Revelation, before the heavenly host, the throne of God, and sees the Lord himself, what does he do? He's on his face. Okay? But it's cool. Because the Lord, as he did with John, hey, you don't need to be tripping out. (laughs) I love you. It's okay. Okay, I know I am holy other. I'm really that cool and awesome. But I love you. And because I love you, your sins have been forgiven. Because you're my son and we're in a relationship, you can look at me, your dad. I think that's pretty cool. So then immediately, well, actually, let's talk about the theological term just for a second. Have you guys heard of transcendence before? Okay. That's what's going on between Moses and the Lord in Exodus 3 here. Wow. God, you are so other. You transcend everything. So he's in awe. Then we're told he immediately uh, moves to reveal his compassion here. So God's commitment, we see in verses 10 to 22 in this chapter, is to deliver. Do you guys know that Jesus is Savior? That he is able to deliver us. So this is uh, God revealing that he's committed to deliver and also flowing out of his compassion for this bondage that his people have been in and what compassion it is see he sees and he knows all heartaches guys okay don't think you're just going by and god doesn't know and see the hurt and the pain and the struggles he knows and yes it was a land of milk and honey but these six nations that are mentioned here, guys, they serve as a warning that is also a land of idolatry, and it's also a land of immorality, both of which eventually ensnare many of the sons of Israel. Prosperity and immorality. United States of America, prosperity and immorality. But God is able to deliver his people out of that. That's the application here. That's the beauty of Exodus chapter 3. 
Now, Moses has a lot of excuses, okay? And we're going to look at a second at verse 10 and on, but he's got a list of them through verse 15. But God uses weak vessels, okay? We need to learn two lessons from Moses here this morning. So if you're taking the notes, okay, we must stop making excuses. That's number one. You can write that down if you want. Stop making excuses, okay? Um, Why do I know that you need to stop doing it? Because you're human like me, okay? How many of us had some excuses just this last week, right? We're good at it, okay? But we also must start trusting his promises. So stop making the excuses. Secondly, start trusting his promises. And those are the two things that we're going to do until the day we die. And hopefully we're growing, that there aren't as many excuses because we've had a little life experience. And we've seen God be faithful to his word, to his promises that, hey, you've been faithful before. (laughs) You've never let me down, and I know you're going to be faithful again. You see, God waited until there was no more self-confidence in Moses, okay? You guys remember back when he was 40 years old, okay, doing things himself, taking things into his own control, okay, becoming judge and jury, Now he's 80 years old at this point, and this moves into phase two, okay? If you think God's done with you, that there isn't another phase or season in life, that is a lie from the pit, okay? Greater things are yet to come, and I believe, guys, that what we see with Moses here at the age of 80, what he's learning in phase two, he's finding confidence, not in himself, but in who? In God. And let me ask you guys this. Can more be accomplished and done through a man who knows he is weak but has confidence in God and might be old than a man who is all full of himself and has strength, what he thinks is strength, in and of himself? Who do you think is going to be able to do more? I'm going to go with the guy who has confidence in God. It doesn't matter how old you are. It comes down to have you humbled yourself? Have you rightly looked at yourself? Not higher than you ought, not lower than you ought, but who you are in Christ. Do you have confidence in him? Because if you do, watch out. Now there's a lack of credentials. Okay, let's take a look at Moses and his excuses here, making excuses. Who am I? Look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. And you guys know that Pharaoh was like, the ruler, considered deity in the world. Hey, I'm going to send you to him that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So Moses' first excuse in verse 11, guys, I know I once was the prince of Egypt. DreamWorks did an animation movie about me, but (laughs) I'm 80 now. I don't even have my own sheep. I'm taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. I got nothing. I'm just a shepherd here in the desert, right? So who am I to go and tell Pharaoh what to do? God's response. Look at verse 12. God need, yes, God, God doesn't need anybody, okay? He can use anybody he wants. You guys understand that? Okay, I love this because God makes this clear. God has already, you know, has him up on this mountain, okay? You shall serve God on this mountain, okay? I didn't choose you, Moses, because of your resume, but only for the simple fact that I will be with you, period. I pick you because I'm going to be with you. I think that's pretty cool. And thus, God's saying, I'm going to do this thing. It's not you. (laughs) I want to use you for my glory. I want to work through you 
for my glory. But I'm going to be with you. And I am going to do this thing through you. Now there's a lack of contentment that we see in verse 13 here. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. What am I supposed to say? You guys ever feel that way? You're asking me to, <laughs> to go talk to them? Maybe to share the gospel with them? You want me to confront that situation? I don't like confrontation. <laughs> what do I say? You guys want to look at Moses' second excuse? Look at verse 13. Okay, They'll probably ask what your name is. That's the second excuse, right? Do you guys know that the Egyptian pantheon has over 2,000 deities like Isis and Osiris and Horus and Ammon, Ra, Haphi, Hathor, Beset, Thoth, Anubis, and Ptah, just to name a few, right? So, do you got a card? <laughs> right? like, that's something I can show Moses. You know, business card. Um, I'm glad Moses asked God's name. Aren't you guys glad? This is pretty cool because it reveals so much, right? Because he could have tried to explain the invisible God, right, by what he saw. Well, well, Pharaoh, you know, I think he's the one who dwells in the bush. Or, hey, he's the God of the, you know, bush fire. Or, he's the hot bush God. Like, how is he going to describe God to him? Or, God is an all-consuming fire. Is your had gone to that passage of scripture as we're here this morning? Whoa. Isn't it amazing, guys, how fire will draw you in? Yeah. There's just something about a fire like, oh, I just could sit there around the fire all night. It draws you in. But you are also taught a very, you know, at a young age, when it comes to fire, you're, you're taught that you have to have a healthy respect of that fire, Right? if you get too close, you're going to get burnt. So, tell my people my name. That's what he's saying. Tell the people my name and my word. So the content, you know, <laughs> it's mine is what God's saying. You're just a reporter. Do you guys understand that? I'm a reporter. That's my job. That's your job, brother and sister. Lo, <laughs> I'm with you always, even to the a end of the age. All authority, Jesus, has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And he tells us, I'm going to send you guys. You're going to go into all the world, all nations, and you're going to proclaim to them all that I have said. So that's what we get to do, guys. We just get to report. This is what God says. I know it might not be culturally acceptable because we are living in a day and an age where sin is now being you know, accepted and actually glorified. And for us just to report and say, hey, God says this is wrong and this is what's right. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reporting. <laughs> God has declared that. So I think it's cool, guys, when we just get to go and tell the world who he is. This is his name. And this is what he says. And he says, I am who I am. Hayah, Aser, Hayah. Probably shorten Y-H-W-H. -H. Okay? I do not improve. <laughs> I do not decrease in glory. I am always the same in character. Yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> I am that I am. 
God's name is not just an announcement, but it really is an introduction. I am that I am. Normally, in those patriarchal days, any new revelation of the ancestral God will be summed up in a new title for him. You guys think back with me to Genesis 16, verse 13. You guys remember Hagar there? Okay, she had a meeting with the Lord, El Roy. Is that what it is? El, yeah, El Roy, the God who sees. Oh, a new revelation of who he is. But that's just part of who he is, right? In the future, it both records and recounts a deeper knowledge of God's saving activity. Okay, we may therefore assume that in asking this question, they would be expect, expecting some new title okay, for their patriarchal God. El Elyon, God Most High, right? El Shaddai, God Almighty. El Bethel, God of Bethel. You guys remember when Jacob was wrestling with the Lord, right? Peniel, the face of God, specifically described there. So the assumption in that culture that to call on God, that is to pray and to worship him, involved calling on his name, specifically naming him in prayer and worship. Brings us back to our men's and women's retreat this last year. We were looking at 1 Kings chapter 18, the man, the prophet, Elijah. You call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of mine, and we'll ask for what? Fire! Isn't that cool? And here he is. Hey, here's my altar. There's your altar. Why don't you guys douse mine with water? Throw some more water on it. I'm going to call on YHWH, my God. And you know what happened when he did. Awesome. Fire from heaven consumed it all, right? Our God is a consuming fire. And then I love what Jesus, because Jesus is our God. You guys can jot down John 8, verse 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, here's another doubling, okay? So when God says truly, truly, get this, listen up, pay attention, okay? I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This is Jesus. Now there's some cults out there who don't believe Jesus is God. He's just another God, or an angel, but he's not actually God. Well, when Jesus makes a statement, I am, okay, they knew exactly. You're tying yourself, okay, you're only 30 years old, dude, okay? Abraham lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand, and you're saying that before Abraham that you are the I am? And it goes on to say, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple because they caught the linkage. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. So you who are out there who are in a cult, you are following a false Jesus because he is God Almighty. He is the I am of the Bible. Okay, He is God himself. They understood it then. The Bible clearly teaches that. You are blind, and you're teaching others to be blind also. Guys, do you take the time to turn aside and to seek the Lord? Because if you really want to know God, you're going to find out real quick that it is Jesus. Let's look at God's promises. I love how this chapter wraps up. Okay, And before we read, we're going to start in verse 16. I want you guys just to ask yourself personally the question, are you trusting in the promises of God. Oh, we can know the promises of God. There's thousands in the Bible. If you guys have studied the Bible at all, you're like, whoa, they're all over the place. You can even know them all. But it's different to actually trust the promises of God. Let's take a read here in verse 16. Go, gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God your, of your fathers, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me saying, I've surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, and I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by the mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in their midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, of clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Jot down 2 Corinthians 2.10. Because we're told there that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. All of them. Okay? So Israel, we're told here, will be brought out of Egypt into Canaan, verses 16 and 17. We're told Israel leaders will believe Moses in verse 18. We're told Pharaoh will oppose Moses in verse 19. We're told Egypt will suffer God's judgment in verse 20. And Israel will receive riches from Egypt in verses 21 and 22. And again, guys... Look at the response back in verse 14. God's response, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. He's going to do it. It is him. And in verse 21, it talks about this plunder. Okay? You shall plunder the Egyptians. In other words, hey, tell your women to go shopping. Pretty cool, right? (laughs) Go shopping, sisters. So they do not have to take or steal it. They just have to ask for clothes, for bling, and they're going to get it. And it's a reminder, guys, that God will fight our battles for us. We don't have to go fight for it. Okay, the Lord goes before. He fights our battles for us. So I'm glad you guys asked the question this morning, why, why is he pointing to the plundering? Well, what's this about here? You see, God's setting up a, pa- a pattern here, okay, and he does this throughout the book of Exodus, and I hope you've read ahead and went through the book already. If you haven't, I encourage you again, read through the book of Exodus, okay? But there's this pattern, conquering the enemies and taking spoil, and we see in Ephesians 4, 8 that he has ascended on high and he's, less, he's led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So after conquering sin and death, okay, we are given much, okay? So also this jewelry that they're taking back then here from the Egyptians, this jewelry is going to be used. They're going to melt it down and make instruments that they're going to use in his tabernacle so i also think this was a reimbursement for the years of slavery money paid for the work of their service so will god pay back the days of hard labor that were stolen from someone who was labor trafficked will god pay back the nights and the dignity that were stolen from somebody in sexual exploits Will God pay back the years that the locusts have stolen? Jot down Joel 2.25. God speaking, he says, I will restore, I will pay back to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, the great army which I sent among you. So Joel could be describing a locust swarm there, 
or an invasion of those Assyrians and Babylonians, or maybe the coming day of the Lord, or possibly all three, right? See, guys, you can't have your time back, but there is a strange and there is a wonderful way in which God can bring his blessings to you. There are blessings for us as the children of God. There are things that he's asking us to step into by faith according to his word and his promises and to plunder, to partake of. Some of us as Christians don't think, well, (laughs) I don't deserve that or that's not for me. Life isn't about blessings. It's not. It's about God. But you know who God is? He's the I am that I am. By nature, he's a giver. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God is blesser. Do you think our Heavenly Father, when he blesses us with something, is probably pleased when we receive it by faith? Absolutely. So I want to encourage you guys. Receive what your Heavenly Father wants to give to you. Receive his promises. Walk in them. Trust him. I want to wrap up this morning by quoting a guy by the name of Philip Brooks. He said this, The only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. We all have stuff, guys. We all have hard stuff. But do you agree with our brother Philip who says, hey, God will take that (laughs) and he'll actually use it. It will be a blessing. That's how our God works. You can jot down one last passage of scripture, Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn, but he will heal. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. So tell people who God is and what his word says. That's Exodus 3. Tell people. Moses could have kept this to himself, but no one else would have known the people would not have heard the promise of God. We get to share these promises. We get to report who God is and what he says. So, Chad, thanks for reminding me. We're going to partake in communion. Yep. Uh, Could I have a few men come up, please? Thanks, bro. The only thing we ask here at Freedom is that you've accepted Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. And you're welcome to partake with us here. We're going to do something a little different this morning. A lot of times when we partake in communion, I like to share some scriptures or a devotional that comes around, a passage of scripture. But in light of this morning's word here from Exodus 3, and God declaring to Moses, I am that I am. Okay, To take that a step deeper, how does how that apply? What does that mean for us? Okay, What is God communicating to us, making that statement known to us? I am that I am. He's saying that he's the becoming one. Do you guys understand? Everything that we would ever need, he is. He is that fulfillment. Okay? We've been created for him, period. I am that I am. And what I'd love for us to do is we are able to come to the Lord's table together is I want us just to proclaim. Thanks, Bruce. I want us to share with one another 
who God is to you. Because we know some of the I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospels. But he's the becoming one. So let's just take a little time. Let's do a little pop, popcorn sharing, okay? Just, hey, Jesus is or God is this. How has he become God to you? What is he? How is he whatever we've gone through? What is he for us in that? So who wants to start? What? Comforter. Redeemer. Faithful creator. The great physician. (laughs) Bigger than Bruce. Friend. Love. Savior. Forgiver. He is all in all. The preeminent one. Rock. Solid foundation, right? We read that last week. Provider. Only hope. Conquering king. Peace. Dread warrior, our hope. (laughs) High priest. Intercessor. What was the other one over here? The one I trust. He is altogether trustworthy. walked with the Lord for a while the I am becomes everything we face a lot of different things in life and he is there to meet us and truly guys his grace who can comprehend you can't outgive God mentioned briefly before I was up at 2 o'clock earlier this week and the word that God spoke to me is I am your sustainer I'm going to sustain you because honestly guys I feel like I can't sustain myself it's something only he can do and I think many of us when we go through things we try ourselves we look to others we try this and that but deep down we know it is Jesus it's going to be him and that's one thing I love about coming to the Lord's table with you guys because as we examine ourselves (laughs) we know we fall short we know that we've been trying it ourselves or doing that trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment maybe in other things. But we know deep down, it's Jesus. And that's the beauty of the Lord's table, guys, because we remember, we remember his life, (laughs) the way he lived, why he lived, and the death that he died upon that cross, that we may live and have life. I love that. So, Father, as we remember this morning, we are so thankful. We're thankful for this event that happened with Moses so many years ago that it was recorded. That we can just sit in awe this morning that you are the great I am, the becoming one, everything we need. And even as we come together, In this common faith, this communion table, remembering you, God, we know that you're it. You are everything. It's hard not to be here in this place and not be moved by you. We thank you so much for that steadfast love of yours towards us.
Thank you so much for your mercy and grace that finds us. Thank you for you just being there for us. You truly are everything. We thank you. We remember. Let's partake together. So I enjoy when we have little times like this, especially hearing your reports as we considered the becoming one and who Jesus is to us, what he has done for us. You guys were just reporting. You guys know that's what you were doing. That's holy ground. And that's what we get to do. We get to go and share with others. There's power in testimony. Share what God's up to, what he's doing in your life, the promises he's spoken to you, and how he's been faithful to those promises. And share with a person that doesn't even know the Lord. Maybe they're unspiritual, unreligious. And you know what? The second you begin to share holy ground and maybe just maybe they will choose to turn aside and consider the Lord and begin to seek that's what we get to do my brothers and sisters you are salt you are light this is who you are in Christ Jesus and we have a great hope we have good news to share with people and it's not that God just can use imperfect people but we get to share that there was a perfect person our God who humbled himself and came and lived that perfect life and died as a perfect sacrifice that we imperfect sinners can be forgiven if we'll just repent turn to him trust in him and you will be saved you will be delivered I like reporting good stuff because those yahoos that we watch on TV it's just a lot of bad news we got the good news you guys up for sharing it sounds good we're called to plant seed next week we're going to do a deep dive into that a little bit but something I'd like for us to start doing as a church I walked in on Tuesday, I think, this week, and right in front of our door at the church here, there was a there was a jar, and inside I could tell there was a little bag. I'm like, oh, who left us a jar with a bag in it? <laughs> Open it up, and there's a letter in there, and it's uh, it had a bag of beans in there, and they at their church had started doing this thing called Bean Stories, and they just wanted to encourage the church to start sharing bean stories. I don't know if you guys have caught, but I'm trying for us as a church family, we want to be sharing more. Let's share our testimonies. Let's share our God stories. Let's talk about how he's changed us, how he got our attention. Let's testify to one another about those things. So I got the jar. It's right over here in the office. I'll bring it out and we'll set it right here on the pulpit. But if you have a bean story, and a bean story being, hey, this week I went and reported to somebody. I, I shared the good news with somebody. I shared the gospel. I talked about Jesus. Okay, And this is what we're seeing. Seeds are being planted Okay, in our community right here with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family. Okay, I would love for us to take a moment and just share that. Not necessarily, hey, they responded and prayed with me to receive Jesus. That's awesome if that happens. We want to share and rejoice in that, absolutely. 
But I would love even if you just shared with somebody and you got no response because what's going to happen? Hey, I shared with Bob this week at work and, you know, he's uh, um, yeah, he's hopefully thinking on those things. Great. Because what are we going to do if you come up and share about Bob? We're going to be praying for Bob, right? And then we'll take one bean and we'll put it in the jar and after a while, what I'm hoping, and I think the purpose of why this person dropped off this jar with these beans is to get the church to actually see, like, hey, seeds are being planted. The gospel is going out. And who knows? Because, again, we can plant, we can water, but who gives the increase? It's God. It's God. And I think it would be really cool for us as brothers and sisters to come together and just be praying for those seeds that are being planted. Does that sound cool? Boom! I thought it was cool too. So I didn't throw the jar away. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for these brothers and sisters. Uh, just, again, so good to be in your presence, to be in this place. Holy ground, we, we know that this structure, this building is just a place, God. But what's so cool about this place is just our family, believers, coming together to worship you, to hear from you. We're so thankful. God, we pray your hand would continue to be just upon this ministry. God, we know that we can uh, plan our ways, but you're the one that ultimately directs our steps. And Father, we want to be in step with you. Because you truly are everything. You are good. You are right. Lord, we want to report to this world well of all you are doing, all that you've done, what you're going to do, and mostly who you are. So I pray that you give us place and opportunity to do that this week, Lord, in this community. God, may we shine bright like those stars. God, we want to see people come to know you. We know that's your heart's desire, so we thank you that we can ask that and pray in faith in that way. We also want to pray, Father, that you would just establish us, God, according to your purposes. God, I know that we all have blind spots once in a while. Lord, I pray that you'd remove those blinders, just like you did that day with Saul, Saul. God, Lord, you opened his eyes, and he got to see who you were. And because of that, he was, he wanted you reported. We want to do the same. Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you for Exodus 3 here. This is very insightful, but we want to apply it. We just don't want to know it. We want to be able to live in the truth of who you are. So we pray, God, that uh, as you're getting our attention, that we would that we'd stop like Moses did and turn to you to press in to really talk, to hear from you, Father. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.